Well, praise the Lord. So glad to see you here tonight. What a wonderful time of music, always a blessing. Tonight we're very blessed, uh, blessed to have three very distinguished people. I mentioned two this morning, but uh, he brought the, the uh, upper pay scale with him tonight. Uh, Sammy Austin is with Dr. Bud Austin. Uh, Bud was, uh, well, he still is a chancellor. Is that right? No, not even, no, okay. He lost all that. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> Sometimes we just need a rest. Amen. He spent 21 years as president of Laterno University. Uh, from 86 to 07, to 07. and uh, literally, we know what Laterno means to us as a church. We've gotten many staff members from there and, and uh, have students here on Sunday morning from there. Many of the things that we enjoy uh, from Laterno happened under his uh, guidance and leadership and uh, took a small technical art school there and uh, and turned it into a major Christian university. And I praise God for the stand that they have. And so I've asked him to come and introduce the other special guy we have with us. Uh, and you're going to be so, so blessed. I'm just telling you, more than you can imagine. So, Brother Bud, you come and, and uh, you preach if you want to now. Do whatever you want to do. <laughs> Thank you. These titles, when you... Step aside from an institution, sometimes get a little confusing. For a couple of years, I filled kind of an interim role as chancellor and then have the title President Emeritus, which just means old. <laughs> uh, it was a great time there. And I see some of my former colleagues and others who are still at Letourneau in the audience tonight. Uh, and it's good to see them and to be with them. We surely enjoyed our time this morning at Mason Creek, uh, didn't know that church existed. And uh, it was a beautiful church and a beautiful worship service, great, great music. Uh, thank you for uh, letting me come. You know, when a stranger calls, I'd never met your pastor, and he was driving to Houston. And I said, there's a guy that I think we would like to have in your church. And pastors don't give up the pulpit real easy. He says, well, I... How about coming in the morning to Mason Creek and tonight to this church? Beautiful church, both services, both, both facilities. We go to another Baptist church in town, and uh, we hear what's going on in other places in the city. We've been here since 1986, and the word is out that good things are happening at Woodland Hills. And so we're grateful for what's going on. Uh, and uh, there's another guy back there I just saw. Uh, We'll talk to him later. He's, he's, he's smiling big time. Uh, <clears throat> Dwayne King was with Send International, which is a, a major ministry group for uh, significant ministry in the northern tier, Alaska and across Canada. And uh, in the early 90s, he decided that there was something across that Bering Strait that needed the gospel. And he was the second pilot to fly a plane across the Bering Strait into Providenia, which is in Far East Russia. He missed it by four days of being the first one. And it wasn't really a race, but uh, when the 
uh, the Iron Curtain came down, he saw the opportunity to take ministry there. After having served in Alaska for many years, uh, sometimes in little villages north of the Arctic Circle that you could only reach with an airplane. And so that's why the airplane became such an important part of his ministry and is today as he's the head of an organization called Kingdom Air Corps. A uh, little bit of play with words on the word kingdom because that's his name. And uh, he lives on a 320-acre uh, place up in Alaska on the Matanuska River. But looking up is King Mountain. But he had nothing to do with, with that name. But uh, God and his providence took him there. Dwayne uh, went to Russia, fell in love with the people, went back on several more visits, a number, he'll tell you about that, but decided to go and live there because he felt like he needed to, to build that foundation. So he and his wife uh, lived there for seven years, learned to speak Russian, uh, fell in love with that place. I went over there with him and spent several weeks, and, and the people just mobbed him because they could see Jesus coming through him. Uh, he said, we're going to get some airplanes over here because there were so many little villages not very far from uh, Habarisk, which is the biggest city in, in eastern Siberia, that you cannot reach by road. There's no way to get in. And an airplane would open that up. And I said, that's never going to happen. Russia is not going to allow you to bring in airplanes uh, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, he'll tell you uh, how wrong I was. Uh, Dwayne uh, comes every year to the Missions Week program at Letourneau. Uh, he comes and stays at our house, and we grow and are inspired every time we hear him. And I don't know how many dozens of times we heard him, uh, but our lives are changed uh, when he comes and stays with us. Now, when he leaves, we sigh, and we go to bed for three days. But uh, 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 other than that, uh, uh, Dwayne is a true blessing to us. Dwayne King, come and share the word of God with these people. Thank you, bud. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother Charles. It's really good to be in your two churches. That was an exciting ministry this morning. That song leader, that music group, wow, is really thrilling for me to be a part of this church and getting to know you. You know, uh, these folks over here said, you know, we get your newsletter. We get your newsletter. And uh, so some of you have got, might have a little bit of idea either through the Brewingtons. Now, the Brewingtons down here, Tom and Pat and Mark, and uh, they go here to church, and they come to Alaska, at least Tom does, every year. And he has been building a little airplane in his little shop down here in Longview, and he's been hauling it to Alaska one rib at a time, and, uh, and has been a great blessing in teaching our students at, uh, at Kingdom Air Corps. Now, we have about 18 uh, uh, that come in an inspections class with Matt Pullman and Dave Scroggins, and they've been doing that for almost 20 years. And then uh, a lot of flight students come. So literally dozens of young people from Letourneau and this area have come and learned to fly in Alaska with us at Kingdom Air Corps. 
And then many of them, almost all of them, go out as pilot mechanics to the mission field. And they're all over the world tonight, serving faithfully, flying people, and, and uh, helping people in the remotest corners of the earth. And if you don't know what remote is, come with me to Siberia and to Upper Alaska. Already you are shaking in your boots. And it is cold. And tonight, somewhere up in Alaska or over in Siberia, it's pushing 80 below. And uh, it's a place where, where you know, you just got to dress warm. And it's a place in which you've got to be sincerely called of God. Because it is not comfortable for any of us in 80 below. And uh, for some of you, you know, eight above would be disastrous here in Longview. Eight above. But I tell you, the temperature doesn't make a difference really at all. Not at all. Not when you're called of God and you know you stand before God and uh, you are accountable to him. So tonight... I'm going to talk a little bit about being responsible to God, accountable to God, available to God, and used up for God. Now today, today we live in a time and an age in which we all think that, that being born and raised in a nice family and going to a good school and being warm and comfortable and having a church like this and to growing up and having a family and everything is nice until we reach rocking chair age and, and retirement and then that's all that really counts. That is a wasted life. A wasted life. When it comes down to the purpose of God from cover to cover and the purpose of God and the plan of the ages from creation to the time he comes back, he's got a job for us. And so a ministry is out there and I want to challenge you and encourage you tonight. It was much like a night like this when a missionary came to my little Baptist church in upstate New York and he preached and told about the work in India. I didn't ever think about wanting to go to India until I went this last year. And I'm going back to India. But I've got a lot of other places in the world I would like to reach and go to. But I'm telling you what, it was a night like this. A missionary came. And he spoke about this ministry in India. And I was 16 years old. I went home and somebody, the youth pastor, gave me a book called Jungle Pilot. The story of Nate Saint and Jim Elliott and Roger Yoderi and Pete Fleming. Those brothers that were serving the Lord with Missionary Aviation Fellowship. And they went to Ecuador. And they're taking the gospel to the tribe called Winabi. 
the Aucas, the Aucas Indians, they found them in their little airplane and began to minister to them until they were all speared to death on the Curare River. That just shook me. That just shook me as a 16-year-old. And I was wondering, what does God have for me? What is my purpose in life? Well, I went on. The Lord gave me a wonderful, uh, a wonderful church and a wonderful youth group. The Lord gave me a wonderful school to go to and a youth ministry. He gave me a wonderful girlfriend in high school that went on to be my wife for 54 years and faithfully served with me in the remotest corners of Alaska, Siberia, Kazakhstan, and the Lord gave me this woman who said with me, here we are, Lord, send us. And that was an amazing thing, that God gave me a wife to support me in every bit of that. Her name was Carolyn. She passed away October 4th, two years ago now. And so it was. So I want you to make sure that you get one of these uh, brochures, and we'll have some further uh, put out there as well. And we can also get you online with us and get a monthly newsletter. But if you get one of these nice, brightly colored uh, news, quarterly newsletters, they're really cool, nice pictures, and we'll be telling you about the work of Kingdom Air Corps. Kingdom Air Corps is located 80 miles northeast of Anchorage in south central Alaska. And there we have about 70 young people and missionaries, volunteers that come Many come from Texas and other places to come and work on airplanes and teach how to fly airplanes and prepare missionary pilots that come from India, Thailand, and Russia, and now one from Africa. And uh, so these young people are coming to be national missionary pilots, not Americans that are going, but guys that come from those countries learning to be those missionary pilots. And then going back, we take one of our airplanes, one of our 35 airplanes that we've been rebuilding, much like the one that Tom has been rebuilding in his little garage over here uh, uh, in, in, uh, on the east side. And uh, those airplanes are put together and flown, we train the national pilot in that airplane, take it apart, put it in a container, and ship it overseas, and go over there and build an airstrip and a hangar, and help him to, to learn to fly in his own country. So it's a lot, it, it, it's a big vision. It takes years of preparing these people. We have 10 Russian pilots now. Ten Russian pilots led by a young man by the name of Konstantin Rudoy. Uh, you may see a picture of him tonight. And uh, he is over there leading a group of Russian pilots. Just think. Remember some of you those days when you saw Nikita Khrushchev take off his shoe and bang it on the pulpit 
of the United Nations and he said, we'll bury you. I remember that. That was a scary time for us growing up in the fear of what the Russians would, were going to do and what they said they would do to us. Well, things change. And I'm going to tell you the story tonight about how that first flight for us going into eastern the Soviet Union changed the course of hundreds and now thousands of Russian people that have gotten the gospel by missionaries that have gone over. And many trips that we have made flying into that part of the world. I'm going to show you a little bit about that tonight. So that's Kingdom Air Corps, and we want to show you a video right now about Kingdom Air Corps. Way up in the art. Kingdom Air Corps is a mission organization that seeks to train pilots and, uh, in these airplanes to be missionary pilots, not just to be another Alaskan bush pilot. Alaska is full of bush pilots, has a huge opportunities in that area. And that's, our goal isn't to train people to that type and quality of flying. Our goal is to train people who have a heart's desire to serve the Lord with their life. And so uh, our goal here at Kingdom Air Corps is to train people either from scratch or give them further training to help them along the way to be able to go to places to share the gospel and disciple people where you can't get to otherwise. We fly old aircraft, many of them made in the 50s or 40s, some of them. 40s, 50s, and 60s aircraft. Cessnas, Pipers, Beechcraft, and these aircraft are refurbished and built up, fixed up, and put back into full-time service. They're great. Most of them are donated by people who um, want to give their aircraft to mission endeavors and they want to see their airplanes put into the Lord's work and it thrills many donors of aircraft. We take them, we refurbish them, we overhaul the engines, we put the radios in it and we then put them to work and several of them we have shipped overseas in containers and put them to work in Russia and in Thailand. We got lots of mountains like this. We've got lots of rivers, uh, lots of swamps, and there is no real way to travel village to village other than an airplane. And so here in Alaska, the, the dynamic of aviation is so much different that it makes a perfect training ground for mission aviation. Where we can train these missionary pilots in the real world of bush flying, bush missions, they can learn to operate off of short strips, uh, gravel bars, uh, village strips, grass. These are areas that we learn and we teach. In the wind, the weather, the, the mountain passes, steep mountains full of glaciers and, and uh, ice and rock. It is tremendous place to train up these missionary pilot mechanics. Nobody's paid here in Kingdom Air Corps. It's all volunteer. The flight instructors will come out, um, spend time with the students, uh, teaching them ground lessons, teaching them about the flying rules. 
experience. We help people get, get experience. The pilots that come uh, can have an opportunity to work in the hangar and to, to spend time in there to get a feel for what aviation maintenance is like. So our mission statement is to go in the power of the Spirit of God with the great commission, the command of God, to go to the uttermost parts and preach the gospel, establish local churches with native believers. We can do that because we're pilots and we can go to where the gospel has never been reached. So that gives you a little bit of, uh, of an idea, Pastor, where is, oh, right up there is the clock. Okay. I think I've got 20 minutes. 20 minutes? Does that clock work? Okay. All right. <laughs> so this gives you a little bit of idea about what it's like. Now, when we learn to fly... Here at Greg County Airport, anybody remember it used to be called Greg County Airport? When I learned to fly in Greg County Airport, it was Greg County Airport. And, uh, and so we got our practice to flying around Greg County. We'd land over there at Kilgore. We would go to, to Tyler, and my cross-country flight was up to Texarkana, down to Shreveport, and back here to Greg County. Get out of the airplane, shake the instructor's hand, and and the examiner's hand and said, congratulations, Mr. Private Pilot. And uh, so that happened to me. The next day I took off for Alaska. Why Alaska? It's because my flight instructor's name was J.C. Harder, a native Alaskan. And all of the time that J.C. was teaching me to fly, he was saying, Alaska, Alaska. This is the way you're going to do it in Alaska. I was headed for South America where Nate Saint was. But through, J through J.C. Harder, he gave me a passion and a burden to go to Alaska. And so it was. He became my flight instructor for life. Everything I ever had and earned in my pilot certificates and my mechanic certificates came with the hand of J.C. Harder from Laterno University. This is amazing. This is what I've lived with all my life. I fly every day almost. Still, at my age, I'm still working as a full-time pilot, mechanic. It's amazing what God will do and has done for me. And my toolbox was got my toolbox was bought right here in downtown Longview. I still have the same toolbox, a Kennedy toolbox, still using it all of the time. And so all of the training, the experience, and when nobody else was looking, JC had me landing over at Eastside Airport. JC had me landing over at Kilgore Airport, that crop dusting strip out there. J.C. had me going out to Olney, Texas, and we flew everywhere. We begged, borrowed, and stole every airplane that we could to get ours. 
You see why this place is like holy ground for me? It's important. And now I am at the end of my life. Hope not. But here I am toward the end. And still God has got me going. Okay, I want to talk to you about it. You think, well, that's kind of beyond me. Our cooks are 82 years old. And look at how old, how old are you? 80-something. 80? And he's still going, serving the Lord, busting knuckles, welding, grinding, and Mark, and, and the other brother. They come, and they work, and they work hard in building up these aircraft. By the way, if any of you have got any old airplanes in your backyard, they're a waste, and they need to be given to Kingdom Air Corps or airplane parts. And every time I leave Longview, I'm leaving with parts. Last time, Pat gave me a washing machine, and that's washing mechanics' clothes now. <laughs> so whatever it is, we might be interested in it. So, and we can put a lot of things to use. Well, what is it that is in the heart? What is it that drives a missionary like me and many others that come through Laterno and other schools? What is it? What ignites the passion and the calling? What is it? that makes them look at that picture and say, fly over those mountains, fly over that water, fly over way up above the Arctic Circle. A lot of those pictures, all those kids from the Bible camp, that's 150 miles north of the Arctic Circle. And how in the world did you get all of that lumber up there? And how in the world do you get 1,500 gallons of 100 low lead Avgas up there, 150 miles off of the road. It's just like eating an elephant, a gallon at a time of gasoline. And we put it in our airplanes and we fly it up there. Now there's a row, a whole row of people with Jesse French here and David and Jonathan and this family along with all these young people are building an airplane. One piece of aluminum at a time on Birdsong Boulevard or somewhere over there by that area. And they're building it. And it's, uh, and it's going to Thailand and Burma. And these folks here are, have the long look. They have, the, they have distant vision about what God is going to do to use them in that little airplane that they're building one rivet at a time. But it takes this calling. It takes this vision, spiritual vision. And here's where it comes from. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And at verse 5, it says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose, 
and has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. It was the Word of God taken by the Spirit of God preached and taught to this young 16-year-old. And I said on that Sunday night, I got it. I got it. This is what God wants me to do. He has a purpose for me. It's missions. It's to get the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ out where people don't understand it. It's to go with the gospel. And so I began just this little inky dinky vision like one one little rivet of a thought. But the next step was set, it was this. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I don't know how I'm going to learn to fly. I have never been in an airplane. I don't know one end from an airplane to the other. And so God began to give me this little vision as I began to read and learn more and start building hot rods and uh, fast cars. And so as a 16-year-old, I was working on cars and old Model A Fords and putting them together and making things work. And, uh, and, and so it began in that way. And I would be thinking, this is what I'm going to do on the mission field. This is what I'm going to do to serve the Lord. And then along came others that came and encouraged me in this vision. I didn't know what I was going to do, but it was like this verse, verse 7. We live by faith, not by sight. We live by faith, not by sight. When the Spirit of God comes into your life and he convicts you and he speaks to you about making things right, in your life, right with your wife, right with your husband, right with your brother and your sister, and you know the right thing to do because you've been coming to a church like this and you've heard the truth, it's been preached, it's been taught, and the Holy Spirit comes and takes the word and he makes it sense, but it's by faith. And then he says in verse 9, so we make it our goal to please him. We have this sense given to us by the indwelling Holy Spirit that God is watching our lives. God is listening to our words. God is knowing our thoughts. And so I came up to this understanding by the preaching of the word of God that I was standing before God and I would be accountable to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Verse 10. You see, we are so blessed to be in a church like this when songs and music speaks to our hearts, when those people 
are willing to come out of the pew and get up here and play an instrument and sing, you should have heard it this morning. Well, maybe you did hear it this morning. <laughs> yeah, I guess they came over here. Well, we sat down here and we were with it. It was exciting to hear those people sing and share and, and, and minister to us. You can't believe there are very, very few churches like this in Thailand, in Burma, in India, and in Russia, and in the distant parts of Alaska. Well, that's where we begin to realize when we get out, when we hear a missionary come and show the, story, the pictures and tell the stories, God begins to work in our hearts and we say, what can I do? Where can I go? How can I serve? Sometimes God speaks to a parent. When a parent thinks about the only thing that he, he or she wants is to see their kids grow up next to them and live out their lives having grandbabies. Sometimes that's so important to us. And we love it. I remember when my mother told me one, told uh, some people one, uh, once when they asked my mother and father, what do you think about your son and your daughter-in-law and your children growing up in the far north of Alaska, where I'm from New York State? And my mother said, I hold on to my son just like that, not like this. Here you are, Lord. I thank God for a mother who thought it was more important that her kids go and serve the Lord in the farthest places rather than grow up close to them at home. How I thank God for that. And then he goes on to say, since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. We know what it is to fear the Lord. We know what it is to stand before God and he knows and sees our sin. Listen, one of the most encouraging things for me as an evangelist to people in many different lands is this. I love to go to the farthest corners of places, find villages way off the road system. If I can't fly there, I'll drive a snow machine there. If I can't get there in any other way, will somehow get across the tundra and the muskeg and the mountains. So one day I was with a couple of Ukrainian pastors. We were, this was about 12 years ago, 14, 15 years ago. And uh, we were reaching out into the northern parts of what they call Chetinskaya Oblast. There is a big lake over there called Lake Baikal, the deepest lake in the world, freshwater lake. And uh, we were to reach some of the places up above there, way off the road system. We took and we would go along the rivers with big, heavy four-wheel drive rigs and big tires. And we would go up there until we would find a village. And there, what a surprise. The people would see us drive into a village. How did you get here? And we'd go in with this big, powerful four-wheel drive vehicles. We were on our way home from that trip, 
and we were going along a trail, along a river, when I looked out into the river and I saw a man in the water. Now, it was 30 below zero. There was an open lead of water in the ice. And somehow this guy, a trapper, a gold miner, a prospector, somebody, and he fell into the water and he was trying to get out of the water up onto the ice. And so I yelled to the drivers, the Ukrainian guys, stop, stop, machina, tam chilivik, there's a man over there, vobadi. And I jumped out of the car, ran through a little patch of woods, down onto the river, and ran out to the man who was drowning. As I got closer to the water, I realized the ice was getting thinner and thinner. I got down on my belly, crawled over there. I had picked up a stick on the, on the river, and I got over there, and I handed the stick over to this guy, and he grabbed the stick, and I pulled him toward me. The water was like this, freezing cold. He already had icicles all over his jacket. He was shaking, hypothermic. I grabbed him. He was frantic, and he started to pull me into the water. At that time, the two Ukrainian guys came, grabbed my bunny boots, my, my parka, uh, and my Carhartt, Carhartts, and pulled on me. I pulled the guy out of the water and saved him. Never got written up in Reader's Digest. <laughs> Bummer. And so... As we warmed this guy up in that car, we built a fire, we rubbed him, we put our clothes onto him, we took his wet clothes, and, uh, and we were all freezing to death. But we built a big fire, warmed him up, put him in the car, and then we were going to take him to the nearest town. On the way to the town, I said to the guy, I said, we believe by use. Were you afraid? No, da, da, bil bayus. Anybody here speak Russian? Okay, good. You really don't know what I'm saying anyway. <laughs> so <clears throat> he said, yes, I was afraid. Da, da, da. I said, pachimu, why? Patamushta, because. Yabudu umir, I'm going to die. I said, well, why were, why were you afraid? Do you believe in God? We very bogu. Nyet, nyet, yani veru bogu. I don't believe in the God. I said, well, then why? Pachimu, we believe by use. No, 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 no. We need panimayo, you don't understand. When I die, there is the God. You know, that's the way people live today. That's the way we live sometimes. Because we just don't have to give an answer of what we're doing with our whole life right now. Right now, we don't have to give that answer. But when we believe the word of God, we will get the conviction that many of our lives are wasting away like some old car 
out in the backyard. He goes on to say in verse 14, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Christ's love compels us. What Christ did for us on the cross makes it compelling that we respond to the work of Christ on the cross and he gave his life and we are to give our lives. This sort of thing is going over and over in the life of a missionary that is preparing to answer the call and go. He understands he's going to stand before God. He understands of the work of Christ in his life is something that we need to answer for. Answer. And what we're going to do with our life. He goes on to say, in verse 15, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. No longer living for ourselves. We spend all day, every day, living for ourselves. We do good works. We do good works. We're here today. We're serving the Lord. We're worshiping the Lord. This is good. But we spend so much time, energy, and money, and effort living for ourselves. I look at it. I see it. I say, that's a waste of time. That's a waste of time. Bud and I were watching YouTube today about all those airplanes. Oh, that's cool watching those airplanes land really crooked and big airplanes and all. It's interesting. We like it. But we both said we could spend all day watching these dumb videos. So God begins to work in our lives and we begin to answer. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to change. I don't know what it is that God speaks to your heart about, but that's the kind of work that he does in my life. And then he goes on, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. We know how men can be reconciled to Christ. Got the answer. We've got the answer. And people are living right next door, lost and on their way to hell. I loved it when I worked with Faye Livers out there at Longview Welding. I worked in that dirty welding shop. How many ever heard of Longview Welding? You're kidding me. How many knew Fay Livers? I did his funeral at Moberly Avenue many years ago. 35 Longview police motorcycles and cars followed the hearse to the graveyard. Faye Livers 
made a statement in the prison and the jails of Longview. And many people came to Christ and many Longview troopers, uh, state troopers and Longview police appreciated and knew the power of Faye Liver's preaching in the jail for years and years and years and years. And I went with him for many of those. God instilled in me this desire to bring the message of salvation to people and the power of the gospel worked. And that's the way I am today. Leading souls to Christ. Bringing the message that needs to be given. And he goes on, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. My, my, my. <laughs> that when you realize a man is liberated from the guilt of his sin because he believes by faith in Jesus Christ. If you've never done that, you need to give your heart to Christ today and find the forgiveness of your sin. God is at work. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Yes, as though God were making his appeal through us. If we don't go, who will go? To carry the message. Uh, I remember back in 1974, we were in a little village in Toke, Alaska. And these two hippie girls, 23 years old, back those in those days we call them flower child. And they hitchhiked from California up to Toke on the Alaska Highway. And I was a missionary in Toke. And they came and they got broken toke, two 23-year-old girls. And the one girl found a way out. She got some money somehow, but the other girl was stuck. She said, I've got to spend the winter in toke, Alaska. And so she got a job cooking in a little cafe, and she... Uh, saw one of her hippie friends die of a drug overdose. And she got worried she was going to stand before God when she died and she needed to make things right. So she was listening to Paul Harvey on the radio and Paul Harvey told the story during Christmas time about the real reason Christ came. And she listened to the story and she said, this has got something to it. I need a Bible. She went around town. It's 30 below. And she went around this little town of Toke, Alaska and came up to the Catholic church, tried to get into it. She was a Catholic. Couldn't make it in. And then she saw another little church, a little Bible church, and she went down there and came in. Found a Bible took it down to her cabin and a book called Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey in this little 
Bible church. She read it all night. The Holy Spirit came into her, convicted her of her sins. She got down on her knees and prayed and repented. She came back the next night and found another book and a Bible, another Bible, and took it. But this time she paid for it and left a check on the preacher's pulpit. Preacher came by on the next Sunday, found the check, didn't notice the name, didn't know who it was, and he went around town and finally found out it's a girl that's working up there at the local cafe, the hippie. And uh, so the preacher went up there and asked if that check belonged to her, and she said yes. And she said to me, are you the preacher? I said, yep. Uh-oh, she'd been found out. So I brought her down to my house, and she told Carolyn the story of how she had found her book rack in the church and found Jesus. We all wept. We cried our hearts out. We said, she said, what's wrong with you? She said, you know what happened to you? You got saved. You got born again. And so we discipled this little hippie for the whole year, and we sent her off to Bible school. And 45 years later, her name is Mrs. King. I married her. Wish you could see that up on the screen, but she's a wonderful lady. And she is going to be serving the Lord alongside me because she too is called of God. What is a calling? A calling is what, is what happened to the Apostle Paul when he gave us this message. And God speaks to our heart. And we say, yes, here am I, send me. Where is God sending you? He's sending you down the street tonight to the Mexican joint where we're going to have tacos and stuff. There is somebody waiting. And we are all believers and we will spread out in this whole town. And we have, and we are the message of reconciliation, how people can be reconciled to God, is in us. And God is waiting for us to say, yes, I am not going to be scared of sharing Christ. I know we all freak out at this. But listen, we go in the power of the Holy Spirit we go in the power of the cross and God will touch people's lives. Listen, this church needs to grow by people being saved and born again. May God touch our hearts tonight about the need of evangelism in this city. God bless you. Keep praying for Kingdom Air Corps that these missionary pilots We'll be doing more and more every year. We now have 11 families.
that are working there at Kingdom Air Corps, training missionary pilots and mechanics and going themselves to the remotest parts of the world. Pray for us, will you? God bless you. Let's pray. Pastor.